you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin our reading in verse 3. This is God's Word. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven, while we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. May God add his blessing 
to this reading from his holy and inspired word. God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Our salvation, as we've said before, is entirely God's doing. It is because of him that we're saved. We're not saved by what we do. But what does it look like when we're saved? You know, a lot of modern American Christians like to go to 1 John and read a verse out of the last section in which he says, these things have been written that you may know that you have eternal life. That's a very important and wonderful, comforting thing because there are those, there are whole churches that teach people that anyone who claims to know that they are saved is not saved. That it is somehow horrible, blasphemous, heresy to say, I know that I'm saved. That was decided by a church council of people who apparently didn't know the scriptures very well or didn't believe them a long time ago. But God's word says, not only can you know, you should know. God wants you to know. And so we take that verse from the end of John and we comfort ourselves. And the problem is we often neglect the rest of 1 John leading up to that verse which says, if this is going on, that's a sign that you're really a Christian. If this is not happening, that's a sign that you're not a Christian. The whole letter of 1 John, before it says, I've written these things so that you can know, tells you how you can know. Well, Peter is saying the same thing here. It's possible for us to know, and God wants us to know that we have eternal life. But if you have eternal life, this is what it's going to look like, okay? And if it doesn't look like that, then you need to check and see if you've really trusted Christ. Now, sometimes people who are saved don't behave the way they should. They mess up, they say or do the wrong thing. And when that happens, does that mean they've lost their salvation? No. But it does mean that they need to repent. They need to change. Peter knew firsthand what it was to mess up. You read the letter to the Galatians by the Apostle Paul and you find Peter having to be publicly rebuked because he had fallen into the sins of cowardice and hypocrisy, which are very serious abominations in God's sight. So Peter messed up, but when Peter was confronted about his sin, he repented. He repented. And when you and I Realize that we have messed up. Don't defend it. Don't rationalize it. Don't try and explain it away. Repent of it. Repent. 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 The call to repentance is an encouraging, hopeful message that you can change by God's grace. You don't have to keep doing the wrong thing. And in fact... 
What we should be focused on is not just trying to avoid sin. What we should be focused on is seeking to grow in the Lord. By these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, in light of what God has done, make every effort, I want you to underline that phrase, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. That's quite a shopping list. He says, that's what you're to be aiming for. And you're to work toward that. Don't just say, well, you know, I'm just going to trust God and see what happens. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. wvr.org. Please help us help these children. Under the crashing waves To step out of my comfort zone to the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. This is God's Word. And God's Word says that when His power is at work in us, it should work through us. We should begin to call upon Him to empower us and enable us to do what He commands. Last evening, my precious wife, asked me to get her a glass of water. And so I looked at her and I said, I love you. And I just sat there. I didn't move. I was tired. Do you think that's what happened? No. Because I love her, I got up out of my chair and went and got her a glass of water. Do you know what would have happened if I'd asked her to get me a glass of water? She would have gotten up out of her chair and gone and gotten me a glass of water. You know why? Because we love each other. Now, I didn't do that so that she'd love me. Oh, I'm trying so hard to earn her love. I'll be right back. We have a love relationship. I love her, she loves me. We're secure in each other's love. What God calls us to do He enables us to do with His divine power. But now that we have His divine power living in us, we have the ability to do what this says. And look what it says. There are things that should be growing in your life. Make every effort to supplement your faith, you've trusted the Lord, with goodness. What does goodness look like? Well, goodness describes, again, the character of God. Love is patient and kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, is not proud, 
You know those things? That's a picture of goodness. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. These are things that should describe the way that we live. I'll ask you just a simple thing. Are you nice to people? Are you kind? You should be adding to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and knowledge is not enough. There needs to be self-control. That's an aspect of love. It's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's part of 1 Corinthians 13. If you love others as an expression of your love for the Lord, you will not do whatever you might have an impulse to do at any given moment. Okay? Self-control means controlling myself. How you doing in that department? Self-control needs to have endurance added to it. That means we keep on doing the right thing. And endurance needs to be supplemented with godliness. Again, this is just another word describing our becoming like him. Godliness needs to be supplemented with brotherly affection. It means you need to care about other people, learn to appreciate them. And brotherly affection with love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me ask you, are you growing in your relationship with the Lord? Or did you simply pray to receive Christ, now you've checked that off your list, you got a ticket to heaven, not sure exactly where it is, but you know, okay, I've, I've been saved because I prayed the prayer, signed the card, went forward, got baptized, did what, I did what they told me to do, so I'm going to heaven. Now, my goal is to try and make myself successful. And what do we mean by successful? Well, the American dream. I want to do what it takes in order to get a good job so I can make plenty of money and live in a nice neighborhood, marry somebody who's really good looking, is that what you're aiming for? Really? Well, actually, I'm hoping to play professional sports. Really? I mean, is that it? Well, can't a Christian play professional sports? Sure, I know a bunch of people who are Christians who have played professional sports. But if that's your real focus and goal, you're focused on the wrong thing. What's your goal? Your goal should be to please the Lord, to serve Him to honor him, to grow in him. Are you growing? Are these qualities manifested in your life in increasing measure? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Or did you just kind of say, no, I, I prayed to receive Christ, so now that's on the back burner. I'm focused on other things. You need to be making every effort to grow in these areas. For if you possess them in increasing measure, you won't be useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be useless or unfruitful. Amen? The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten what the Lord did for us. He's forgotten the cleansing of from his past sins. 
when, when painful, difficult things happen to us, and they happen to us, they do. When they happen, please do not make the mistake of saying what I've heard lots of people say. What did I do to deserve this? If I got what I deserve, I'd be in hell. So I have no grounds for complaint. Oh, a flat tire? What did I do to deserve this? A flat tire? Hell. I'll take the flat tire. Okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Make every effort. What was the start of this section? For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, etc. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. It doesn't say make every effort to do these things so that you will save yourself. It says this is the way that you live which shows that you are alive. It shows that God has given you new life in Christ Jesus. You're making your calling and election sure. If you don't love God and want to please him, you really need to consider whether or not you've been born again. I'm not saying if you ever sin, you probably aren't really saved. Peter sinned. He messed up. But what is the trajectory of your life? Are you just happy to live in sin? Then there's no reason to think you're saved. But if when you sin, it's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I'm so sorry I said that. Oh, I should have done this when I had the opportunity. If you're Love for God gives you a hatred for sin. That is evidence of new life. And your desire will be to please Him and to do, not just say, well, I've done enough. I, you know, my wife said, would you please get me a glass of water? So, you know, I got up and got her a glass of water. I, I think that ought to do me for the week. You think? No, I love my wife and so I want to do things for her because I love her. Not because I'm trying to get her to love me, but because I love her. Do you love the Lord? Do you want to serve Him? Do you want to please Him? That's what this is talking about. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. He's saying, God provides... This is how you show that you're headed there. Okay? Therefore, I'll always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. My grandson went with me on a recent trip to Atlanta. And so I did what I do when my family rides in the car with me. As we're going along the road, I said to him, Hey, pal, you know what? What am I about to say when I say, you know what? I'm going to say, I love you. And he said, I know you always say that. 
I said, yeah, but do you know why I say that? No, sir. Because it's true. And I want you to know it. I want you to know that I love you. And that's why I tell you that. It's true. It's true. And I don't want you to ever forget that. That's what he's doing here. He says, I'm soon going to die. The Lord has made clear to me the fact that I'm soon going to lay aside this earthly tent. But after I do, I want you to still find what I'm teaching you unforgettable. This is somebody near the end of his life who says, there are some things I want to be sure you don't forget. And this is it. This letter is his message toward the end of his life. When he knows his time is short, he says, I want you to always remember. I think it is right, as long as I'm in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder. Love that image. To wake you up with a reminder. Since I know that I'll soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Folks, you hear me say certain things over and over and over again. I want to make it really hard for you to forget them. I want to make it so that you'll be in situations out there someday, something will happen, and you'll remember what you were taught. One of my great joys is hearing from former students and from former staff who say, I still remember what you said about this. I still remember, in the words of one of our former students, when I was at Wears Valley Ranch, you taught me to go to the source. I learned when things are difficult, I can go straight to the Lord. That's what I want for you. That's what Peter wants for us, because that's what God wants for us, is to know that we can come directly to Him. We can come directly to Him. He is filled with compassion and mercy and grace. Come to Him. Ask Him to change you. If you're saying, well, you know, this... This list of stuff here, I, I don't know that I could really say that I'm uh, supplementing each of these things with the other in, in increasing measure. Well, then, then say, Lord, I, that doesn't sound like me. I want that to sound like me. I want that to be a description of my life. I want to do more. I don't want to just check stuff off. I, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to honor you. Please change me. Are you praying that you would know Him more? Are you praying, I surrender? Do you? So let me tell you, God will take you up on it. God will fulfill that prayer. You want to know Him more? He'll reveal Himself to you. You'll know Him more. Study His Word. If you want to know Him more, see what He says. Listen to His voice. It's here in the Scripture. Moses saw a bush that was burning and not consumed. And he turned aside to see what this was. And when God saw that he turned aside to see the bush, God spoke to Moses. Here is a bush that has been burning 
for thousands of years and it is not consumed. Will you turn aside to see what is going on with this? That's why we study it over and over, day after day. That's why your time with the Lord, privately seeking Him, is so vitally important. Because when you turn aside to see why that bush is burning, God will speak to you and you will hear his voice. I don't mean with your ear. I mean you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.